and PK is brought to you in part by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. NFL Draft, a lot of football news over the weekend. PK, you got a couple questions up on Facebook. Taysom Hill got $16 million guaranteed from the Saints. What do the haters have to say now? And another seven youths were drafted this week, bringing the total to a Pac-12 leading 21 the last four years. How does Kyle Whittingham keep doing it? And you know, as I saw the comments on here, and as Utes and Cougars rallied around their own team and largely attacked the other, and Aggies got into the fray, and Utes and Cougars fired back about Jordan Love and all his interceptions, and Aggies got all pumped up over the first-round draft pick. This is where you and I diverge from the fans. We always talk about how much we're like the fans. There's, you know, we, we got into media in part because we were huge fans when we were kids and we were drawn to sports and we couldn't play it anymore because we were good enough to be average high school players and that was it. And then the dream died there. And so we do this, but the thing that happens over time, if you do this long enough, is you realize we benefit when teams win. The energy in the community, the enthusiasm, the interest level just goes through the roof. The stories you got to cover because the Jazz were good were some of the most memorable ones you covered. Hey, PK, go to L.A. and write a feature on... You're from L.A. Why you fly down to L.A. and write a feature on Brian Russell? And you're on a plane like, what am I going to do? L.A.'s a big place. I don't know B-Russ. I don't know. And yet you walk into the school and someone tells you, talk to this person, and you uncover a fascinating backstory that nobody knew. And it stays with you for 20 years. It's an incredible story. So we benefit whenever good things happen to the local players and teams so it's easy for us to enjoy them and if it's the Utes because seven of them get drafted that's a story if it's Taysom Hill hitting on a big payday because he played at a high level in a playoff game everything he'd been able to do in the regular season he's able to do that and more under a lot of pressure and he gets a payday from the Saints that's good for us too not as good as it is for Taysom but still It's good for us. But that's where we diverge from the fans because most fans can only celebrate one of the three teams, whereas you and I can celebrate them all. Uh, For sure, yeah. I don't know how you can't celebrate Taysom Hill, though, getting $16 million guaranteed. I don't care what color you're rooting for, what team you're rooting for. That's a great story. Here's a kid out of a podunk town in Pocatello, Idaho, and – coming to BYU, and we recognize right off the bat, wow, this kid's a special athlete. There's very few people that I've seen that be able to do what he can do, combining that size, strength, and speed, and all that stuff. And that that's great. And that's, that's ultimately what gets him in the NFL. But the other story that makes it of human interest is the repeated injuries. And how about rehabbing? And then getting injured in the first game against Nebraska. So the season has barely started and your season's already over. If that doesn't pull on your heartstrings, come on. I don't care who you are, who you're rooting for. That's a great story. The stuff that he had to overcome with the injuries and then being undrafted and getting cut by the Packers and going down to New Orleans and finding uh, Sean Payton, finding a role for him, and now he's going to get $16 million guaranteed? How does everybody not think 
and step back and say, wow, that's a phenomenal story because ultimately, you know, we're sports fans, but we're story fans and storyline fans. And that's a, that's why winning creates a story, and that's why we're all over it. And, yeah, we have self-interest, so I'm the biggest jazz, ute, and cougar, and Aggie honk there is out there, not because I want them to win, but because it benefits my wallet. <laughs> and I told you, everything is driven by money, and I'm right there at the front of the line when it comes to that stuff. So that's what I'm doing. I root for all those teams. You want to call me a honk for every one of them? Yeah, I say absolutely. Slap me with that tag. I'm just uh, don't slap me with that I hate the other guy because I don't. The only ones I don't want to see win in football is the University of Arizona. That's it. I got one team. Everybody else, I'm, you know, I'm fine with, particularly here are locals. But I don't get how you don't think that this is a great story for Taysom Hill because it absolutely is. Now, is he a big-time quarterback in the NFL? I don't know that he is. I'd actually be surprised that he is. But he's still got $16 million, so really, in the end, what does it matter? Uh, <laughs> but he's a phenomenal story, and he's a phenomenal athlete, and the Saints are paying him as such, and that's great. I love it. How do you not love it? Well, he doesn't have $16 million bucks because he's going to lose half of it in taxes. But you're right. It is a phenomenal story, and he'll still have $8 million, so good for him. Uh, and some people are with you. Uh, Nick says, I'm the biggest Utah fan there is. But I will tell you, watching that guy play football is something else. He's incredibly fun to watch, and I'm super glad he got paid. That got 20 hearts and thumbs up. People rallied around him. Uh, Mike says he hasn't gotten hurt yet. If he had stayed healthy at BYU, his success in the NFL would not have surprised the haters. It's an interesting question because certainly the injuries, and you reference the one at Nebraska, boy, big game season opener, and he goes running off the field. I can still see that, and you're thinking, unbelievable. He didn't make it to halftime of the first game. How does this happen? So I guess I am surprised that he has stayed this healthy, especially because even though he doesn't play a lot of snaps, they've put him out there in some high-risk situations. I mean, NFL special teams, where are there, where are there bigger collisions than that? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. His, actually, his success in the NFL has not surprised me in the least. That's why I, I, I laugh and I always make a joke of Taysom Hill carried for three yards. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Well, <laughs> come on, man. He's bigger. Well, not necessarily bigger, but combining his size and speed, he is as good as anybody out there. I really believe that, man. I think they're underutilizing him. And maybe they need to because of the injuries. I don't know how they are factoring in that stuff. But this kid is a rare breed. You just don't have that kind of athletic ability rolling off an assembly line. You just don't see it when you combine the speed and the strength and the size and all of that he has. So his success in the NFL has not surprised me at all. Maybe him staying healthy has surprised me because he had the injury history that seemed like it was every year. Now, I think he played that one year uh, where he was not uh, injured and they won nine ball games, but the other years, obviously, he got injured all the time. So this is a phenomenal story, man. And it, You've got to be able to see past the rivalry in this. Now, I bring it back to the question, is he a starting quarterback, a winning starting quarterback in this league? 
I still got to say I have my doubts, but it's not necessarily relative to exclusively Taysom Hill because I don't know that Joe Barrow is a big-time quarterback in the NFL, right? The only way we know it until they get out there and do it because we've seen so many high draft picks be busts at quarterback, and we've seen so many guys who've been lower draft picks or not even draft picks in the case of a Kurt Warner, and then they flourish. And even Kurt Warner, after he flourished, you thought he was done, and he came back and he flourished again. So he's a phenomenal story unto himself. Is this kid a big-time quarterback? Remains to be seen. But I know that it's an outstanding story that he got this kind of dough, and he's carving out a niche for him. He's basically like a Rodman in a basketball sense in terms of, okay, we're going to use you in a specialty, and you're going to do really well in this. I would love to see the Saints actually increase his workload and get him on the field even more so, particularly now as Drew Brees is getting older. You know, I've been thinking since you said that about quarterbacks, how many quarterbacks, there's certainly the exception, how many quarterbacks did we completely believe in before they proved it? Because you've got, I mean, you you know, pick a decade, right? I mean, if you want to go back to Brett Favre, that was 30 years ago, but Atlanta traded him. So he's in the NFL and the team gives up on him. You just brought up Kurt Warner. Okay, so he was stocking shelves and playing arena football, and I mean, I thought he was done after that horrible run with the Giants. I think most people did. And yet, there's a third trip to the Super Bowl because he had two in St. Louis. They won one and lost one. And the Giants goes horribly wrong. But then he goes to Arizona. There's another trip to the Super Bowl, and he plays great. You know, maybe uh, Elway, even though he had early struggles, I think people always believed in Elway. Uh, Do you want to go to Peyton Manning? Did people always? Always believe in Peyton Manning. Even with Peyton Manning, there was he can't win the biggest game, right? He always loses to Florida. They can't win the national championship at at Tennessee. They win it the year after he's gone when T. Martin's quarterbacking the team. So, I don't know. I I think you could say people always believed in Peyton Manning, but maybe there's an argument there that, you know, not at the highest level they didn't. You know, until you win a Super Bowl, you haven't won one, so we don't really believe it. Um Russell Wilson was really well thought of, but I don't know if we can go that he was an absolute slam dunk. Uh, Cam Newton was really well thought of. Oh, now, he hasn't won the Super Bowl. Pick. Get out of town. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, Cam Newton was really highly thought of. There were a lot of expectations for him. I don't know if you can say he was a guarantee, um, but based on how he dominated college football. Oh, Andrew Luck. How much, how much do people think Andrew Luck was a slam dunk? One now, season. He retires early and, and never goes to a Super Bowl. Um, he was in an AFC title game, I think, but never to a Super Bowl. It's certainly a premature end of his career. He was probably viewed as a slam dunk. But it's like five guys over 30 years. <laughs> that's, that's not a very long list. You know, Steve Young and Joe Montana were doubted. Was Troy Aikman viewed as a slam dunk the whole way? He's a three-time Super Bowl champ. Uh, I can't say that he was viewed as a guaranteed lock to where he would be as good as he was in a Hall of Famer because basically all those guys that you're mentioning are Hall of Fame guys. Uh, Luck probably won't get there because he didn't have the duration, but obviously Manning and Elway, uh, those guys are no doubters as far as where they ended up uh, in their careers Uh, but going into it I think you had a decent idea but those were the number one picks right too and there's only going to be one number one pick 
And then there's doubt after that, you know. All right, DJ and PK. Well, that's a lot of the yeah. feedback coming in this morning on uh, on Taysom Hill getting the big money contract with the Saints. The reaction to the youth, seven of them getting drafted. We will get to that next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. I am so sick and tired of seeing social media make this run that Aaron Rodgers isn't going to handle this like a professional and he's going to mistreat Jordan Love and this is a mess that they've caused and this is a wasted pick. No, no, no. They felt like Jordan Love was the quarterback of the future. They felt like it was worth the first round gamble and I agree with them and I think it's going to be handled well. Everybody wants to think a locker room is all warm and fuzzy but it's not for him to go out there and say, okay, Okay, let's get you up to speed and let's do this and this and this. And so are you going to go out of your way to help develop this guy to take your job? Probably not. I wouldn't. It's up to Jordan Love to get himself ready to play. It's up to the coaches to develop Jordan Love. It's not Aaron Rodgers' job. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Got a question up on Facebook this morning. The Utes, seven players drafted. Seven tied for the fifth most with any school in the country. Clemson, Georgia, Florida, rarefied air. Bama had nine. Michigan, Ohio State had 10. And LSU led the way with 14. But seven's a lot of players to have drafted. So that brings a total to a Pac-12 leading 21 over the last four years. How does Kyle Whittingham keep doing it? Your theories. Hit us up on Twitter, David DJ James. On Facebook, DJ and PK. Seems pretty clear he's got a recipe, PK. And he keeps finding it. He keeps finding the guys who fit it. Find the guys who have some athletic ability, have the measurables, then coach them up and teach them how to play the game. Don't worry what everybody else says. To to an extent. Not completely, though. Is part of it wrong, or there's part of the recipe that's missing? Yeah, part of the recipe is missing, because most of these guys repeatedly are on the defensive end of the football and they're really good, so they had more than half of their defense drafted this year, right? That's great. And you got 11 guys that you start, and six of those guys got drafted. And that's just awesome. And that's the way it is there. There's not the balance through the team. It's clear he's a defensive genius. It's clear he can look at a 15-year-old and see what that kid can be as a 21-year-old and project it to a position where the kid probably doesn't even see it. His parents don't see it. His high school coaches don't see it. Kyle sees it. He's been able to see it now for 25 years. This is no fluke. This is what he does. He builds a great defensive team almost virtually year after year that puts in an enormous amount of kids into the NFL. More than half of the team, just like the Sugar Bowl year. Go back. More than half of those guys got to play in the NFL. He is brilliant when it comes to that. Now, the deficiency is on the other side. They've only got one guy drafted, the greatest running back statistically anyway, that they've ever had, right? And so, lo and behold, he loves big-time tough football. So the guy on the offensive side who's drafted is the running back. 
that's what they do. They put defensive guys and running backs into the NFL on a regular basis, sometimes offensive line. Didn't well. We'll see if the one kid who uh, Paulo got. I don't. I don't remember where he got signed, but he got uh, signed by somebody after the draft. So he's a genius on that side of the football. You can't argue that he has the ability to project where these kids are going to be, and then if they follow through and stick with the program, they can get themselves where they want to be. And stick with the program is really important. A kid like Jalen Johnson. Well, he wasn't really. Uh, the program. He, he, he didn't need to stick with the program. He, he made the program, right, because he was going to be a star no matter where he went. But a kid like Barton last year was only a basically a one-year starter. Not completely, but essentially. And then Burgess was clearly only a one-year starter. Ends up being a third-round pick. How many programs can say that? Kyle can do that. So, for better or worse, he is what he is, and he's going to win you a ton of football games, which is what they've done here recently. So, does he get enough confidence in an offensive coordinator to let them do whatever needs to be done with the passing game? Because you're right. The defensive side, got it. The tough side of offense, you know, that aggressive run blocking and a running back running with violence. Kyle loves to say that. That's not very far out of his wheelhouse either. He's got that, you know, pretty well wired. We've seen lots of good running games during his tenure at the U. So it comes down to getting comfortable with mastering the passing game, taking enough chances that it doesn't drive him nuts. Because you can win a lot of games beating teams by running the ball, playing great defense, and not making mistakes. But the best teams can make plays while minimizing mistakes. And they can make big plays. And if you can't, then you're going to be at a disadvantage in those big games. And he wins some of the big games. Certainly going to Washington was a big game. But can you win enough of the big games? Obviously, the two Pac-12 title games would be the first two games that you fans would circle right now. And if you look at what advantage Oregon had when the Utes had all these NFL players, what Oregon had was not just a, a quarterback that the NFL wanted, but a quarterback who they wanted a lot, who went in the first six picks. Yeah, this year, right, Herbert. Herbert gotcha. And, you know, they made some big plays, and they got a really good defense there with Oregon. I think two years ago, I think you basically have to give the Utes a pass because they weren't in there with their starting quarterback. They were in there with a kid that they, you know, they pumped him up at the time, but they really didn't believe in him that much because they moved him to safety. (laughs) And then he left the program, right? So even though that... Two years ago, the losses are a loss, and it doesn't matter, and they'll be the first to tell you no injuries. We don't use injuries as an excuse, although when I did ask Morgan Scally about what happened in the Alamo Bowl, well, we, we had guys who were injured. And so, I mean, they, they do, even though they say they don't. And I don't have a problem with it they do, because in that game, right, they were without Moss and uh, Huntley, the first time around when they got to the uh, Pac-12 title game, right? So that's a little bit of an outlier. It's actually, it explains Kyle's greatness that they were able to win the division when those guys, they didn't even play in November, right? Neither of those guys, because they they both, their last game was the one down in Tempe, which was the first week of November, and then they were done. 
and they still managed to win the division. So that's pretty good. Last year, all right, just weren't good enough offensively to get the job done. And they've got to improve in that area. There's no question about it. Yeah, and I really thought at the end of the year the biggest problem was at the O-line. And we were just talking about how he's really mastered the O-line. But that O-line wasn't wasn't playing at a championship level. Huntley was running for his life too much, and Moss was dodging too many guys in the backfield. So, you know, the, the O-line's got to be better going forward. But they seem to be inching up on it. You know, it's uh, I, we, we did this a few weeks ago. Every, Kyle's been there 15 years now, and if you break him into five three-year cycles – Every time he improves. The math doesn't really work the first three years are in the Pac-12. You know, there were clearly challenges there and a level of competition that they weren't ready to handle. But his first three years versus the next three, and those were the six he was in the Mountain West, clearly they were better. And in each of the three three three-year cycles in the Pac-12, they've clearly been improving too. You know, from those first three to the second three, well, you went from one one bowl to three bowls, the win total went way up. And then you look at the next three-year cycle, the quarterback play continues to improve. Um, Travis Wilson was better than the three years before him. And then Huntley was better than the Travis Wilson era. And... They won the two division titles. So the arrow is up. He's solving some of these problems and upgrading the talent. And the 21 players drafted over four years, uh, that's a pretty big number. And if you think they're not out recruiting with that number, you're crazy. Uh, And Jake says, and every year fans complain about Kyle Whittingham, dot, dot, dot. Why? Multiple question marks. Because they won a Pac-12 championship and they don't have it. That's why. I think there's a sense of being spoiled there, and uh, I hope that they realize what they got, because what they have is extremely solid. I mean, it, this this guy, he's the definition of solid. His body's solid. <laughs> his mind is solid. The way he runs his program is very, very solid. It is all about setting the level of expectation, and then the kids try to meet that level of expectation and if they put forth the time and effort there's a good chance that they're going to meet that level of expectation and i'm looking at you terrell burgess who did exactly that did not leave stayed with it stayed with it stayed with it starts as a senior and is a third round pick i don't know how people if they realize what an awesome story that is for this kid now man He's a San Diego kid, and he gets drafted up the road by the Rams. He gets to basically stay home. What a dream come true. I can see why he was sobbing when the Rams called him. <laughs> I would have been sobbing too, right? <laughs> Nothing against Zach Moss having to go to Buffalo, but if you're a Southern California kid and you're drafted by the Rams that's going into a new stadium, I mean, what a dream come true. I mean, you couldn't ask for anything better. So this guy is extremely solid in terms of the coaching. If you know, And you look at SC. And all the talent that they've had. If I were SC, and when their job has become open the last couple of years, I would have paid Kyle $10 million, man. <laughs> I would have literally put the offer that he could not refuse. <laughs> and I would have forced him to take that job. <laughs> because if he had the ability to just open up the doors and turn on the lights... And as Norm Chow has told us at SC, you don't recruit, you evaluate. Can you imagine? Because what he's done at Utah has really, really been incredible. And I get it. 
They have not won it all. Uh, but who's winning it all? It, it's really, really hard to win it all. And when you look at who's won it all in the Pac-12, well, who's won the most since the, since the conference has been a Pac-12? Stanford. If we're just going the Pac-12 era only? Stanford. Yeah. What are the numbers? Let's see. It's nine championships. I'm going to say it's uh, three for the Stanford Cardinal. I'm probably missing one. Two for Washington. One for SC. That would leave three for Oregon. I'm going to... All right. Yes. So you got yeah. Oregon. So Oregon's got three Stanford. and Stanford's got three. Washington's got two and USC's got one. I'm looking at it now. That's right. Why is the North dominating the South? The South ought to be doing better than that. One title in nine years? What's wrong with well, you, South? <laughs> Get it together. Well, look at it. Look at it, though. Oregon's got the Where's money. Where's Phil Knight donating yeah. the most amount of money? Name the two institutions. Oregon and Stanford. And they and got Stanford? six of nine. <laughs> USC got one on history and tradition, and Washington got two. And, thank you thank you very much, Boise State. We need to borrow your coach. And Chris Peterson got it done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, he did get That's exactly it. That's exactly it. So Utah is fighting an uphill battle. And they're not fighting an uphill battle as much as everybody in the conference, but against the top dogs, they're fighting an uphill battle. So there's something to be said for being there. And they've been there, right? And that is something to be said. Now, we all want more. Whatever you want, you want more. It's just human nature. I think at some point they're going to break and maybe, maybe it'll be sooner rather than later. I don't know that. That's why we watch. Going to yeah. conference in the next five years, and I'm I'm going to give just just give Kyle roughly five more years. Does he win a Pac-12 title? Well, it might be just being a big old homer here, but I would I would think yes. I mean, they're getting close. The arrow is up. I think he's got an offensive coordinator that he trusts and believes in, and that may hurt for other ex-offensive coordinators to hear, but on some level, he believes in this guy in a way he didn't believe in the other guy, and he trusts this guy in a way he didn't trust the other guys. And, you know, that may be hard for the other guys to hear, but I don't think they'd argue with me. All right, DJ and PK, hit us up. Your feedback. DJ and PK, we got people weighing in right now. Jason says, the Salt Lake media landscape is funny. If Bronco produced that much NFL talent and had no conference titles to show for it, he would have been blasted for underachieving. Hmm, interesting. Uh, In a power five, I I don't know that he would have been. I I don't know that that's true. I think if they had been in a power five and had been winning big games like this, If Oklahoma was winning the titles, I don't know that anybody would be saying anything. Oklahoma's got, Oklahoma's got money and built-in advantages. 
Oregon's got money and built-in advantages. I mean, if we're seeing anything about college football in this decade, we could probably go back to previous decades and say the same thing. But college football in this decade, uh, the biggest budgets are largely winning. There's a few people who have big budgets who can't get it done and are underachieving. Looking at you, Texas. Definitely looking at you. Probably looking at USC and Texas A&M after that. But Bama and Clemson and Ohio State and Oregon and Oklahoma, none of those guys are doing it with smoke and mirrors. They got money. They got a lot of it. All right, DJ and PK. Coming up, Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, Yach. He dropped some awesome MJ stories on us, and he's got more. He told you that? That's what he told me, so we'll see. All right, I'm looking forward to that. 20 minutes to Steve Cleveland right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. And now, your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. The one-two pitch strike, great call on Mills, and there's the record breaker. So Ryan strikes out Tim Blackwell to catch Walter Johnson, and he strikes out Brad Mills to own that record all by himself. 3,509 strikeouts for Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan. Breaks the all-time strikeout record, 3,509. And the funny thing, PK, is that's the Chevy Strong play of the game. Know it today at 450 on the big show. You win fabulous prizes. The funny thing about it is he was a little more than halfway. He was about 60% of the way through his strikeouts at that point. He ended up with 5,700. He had more than 2,000 strikeouts after the record-breaking strikeout. And if I told you right now you could be a Major League Baseball pitcher and you could strike out 2,000 guys in your career, you'd think, I'm pretty awesome. 2,000 strikeouts. Catfish Hunter, Chris Sale, and Andy Bennis are all sitting at 2,000 career strikeouts. Oral, strikeout artist. Oral Hershiser is at 2,014. Fernando's at 2,074. And Ryan, he did those guys' career after he broke the record. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it is unbelievable. Uh, do you know, can you name like the, uh, there's four guys who have 4,000 strikeouts in Major League history. Can you name the others? Ryan's the only guy to get to 5,000. He got to 5,700. Uh, I mean, how old are some of those other guys? You saw every one of these guys pitch. And when did they play? Uh, let's okay, see. Randy Johnson, Steve Carlton, Roger Clemens. Yes. Did you call up the list? <laughs> Johnson's two, Clemens is three, Carlton is I did, four. I did not call up the list. Oh, I yeah. do not have the list in yeah. front of me. You nailed it. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone, and it's time now to talk with Lauren Warner, our partner profile with Honest Eatery. 
It's time to showcase those that are helping all of us through these difficult times. This is a partner profile on the Zone Sports Network. Lauren Warner, join us from Honest Eatery. Lauren, good morning. Good morning. Uh, thank you so much for having me. A pr- privilege to be on with you guys. And uh, couldn't have had a better introduction. I am a native of Houston, Texas. So um, love hearing Nolan Ryan's name anytime I hear it. There you go. All right. Well, you're a native of Texas, but you got your start in business and Honest Eatery started at jazz games in the arena. You got it. Yeah, we've been we've been uh, at the arena for the last two seasons. Um, they gave a they gave us a chance, and uh, and we bulldozed right through the door, and uh, we're providing healthy options to the arena. So you've got uh, a family four pack program going. Buy one, give one. How does this work? Yeah, so during these hard times, we found um, a lot of um, a lot of individuals, a lot of our customers um, have um, have actually been giving to their neighbors, and so we we created a family four pack, which is a four pack of acai bowls um, that are healthy for you, that have full of um, antioxidants and help our immunity, our immune system as well. We found that a lot of our uh, of our guests were coming in and purchasing um, multiple four packs. Um, and then delivering them throughout their neighborhood um, and having making a way that they could connect with um, their neighbors. So we decided to, um, to make that available and um, do a, a buy one and give one, um, and that's been really successful for us. So uh, how does the fundraising work? Because uh, I've heard you're delivering meals to hospitals to feed nurses, doctors, staff. Uh, how does that work if people want to participate? Yeah, that's right. So we created a, Go, a GoFundMe um, page, and um, that GoFundMe page, you can access that through our website. It's um, eatathonest.com, E-A-T-A-T-H-O-N-E-S-T.com. We've got a donate button there. Um, but we have a lot of our guests um, are, um, are nurses um, just by the locations that we have. We have a location up at Foothill Village, which is close to the University of Utah uh, Hospital. Um, we have a location downtown Salt Lake, which is close to LDS Hospital. So since we've been open, we've had um, and we've noticed that we have a lot of guests um, that are nurses, doctors, and we wanted to give back. Um, so we've uh, created a GoFundMe, um, and we've had uh, nearly um, $1,400 uh, donated. That allows us to provide over 150 meals um, to the nurses who stand on their feet for 15 hours a day. day. And so that's where um, where um, where uh, individuals can contribute and help um, provide meals. So I have a friend in the, uh, in the medical community who called me over the weekend and was telling me, because I'm a sportscaster, I don't know anything, uh, and was telling me that uh, they scrub up and they're working such long shifts now, um, even in Salt Lake, and it's not, you know, what's happening in New York, but even in Salt Lake, we've got people working long shifts here. And so this food showing up is a, is a big deal. I mean, they don't, they don't have time for lunch breaks the way, the, way, the way it works in the rest of the world. Yeah, you've got it. We've heard that we've had the same feedback and the the gratitude that's been given from the individuals. They um, they they just say you don't realize how um, how much it means to us to to have a quick meal and have something available to us. Um, you you got it right. They just don't have time. Even here in Salt Lake, where we think the cases are low, and even in units of the hospital, where you think. Um, 
that uh, they're not affected as much. I had a woman reach out to me um, yesterday and said, hey, I work in the NICU, but you would be surprised. We have patients that have um, that have um, COVID-19 and um, they have a baby and we have to manage that and keep the baby away, but also allow the mother to be a mother. And um, so there are stresses that come to all of them. This is just providing an opportunity um, for them to have a moment of joy and have some healthy food um, get into the body to help fuel them as they um, as they go along. So we're grateful as, as they're grateful um, to be able to be a part of this and give back to our community and those that um, those that we serve, which is which is part of our mission as well as that we want to always give back to the communities and serve the communities um, in which we we have our locations so if you want to do one of those family four packs buy one get one tell people one more time how they can do that because you want to deliver 500 yeah. bowls yeah yeah so the so the bio the so the they can go to our website i eat at honest um, dot com you can order online there um, and then you can also find the donate um, button there as well. And to, to, to donate, you don't have to do the family four pack. You can just donate a monetary value. And the four pack is one of those that you can order for yourself and you receive and distribute to, to individuals within um, your neighborhood or, or friends around the valley. Lauren, we appreciate uh, your work. Thanks for uh, joining us and talking a little bit about Honest Eatery. Thank you so much, Jim. I appreciate everything that you do and, um, and bringing some happiness into our daily lives. Lauren Warner from Honest Eatery right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. When we come back, more Michael Jordan stories. Michael Jordan and Fresno stories. Who knew? They were wildly entertaining last week. Steve Cleveland's got more of them this week. We'll get to that next. Stay with us.